Meet Bella Verona Robertson, brand new and potentially the South Island's one millionth resident. Bella is the human face of the statistical growth recorded in the South Island, which is based on the information gathered on census night 2006. Those figures say that Christchurch, New Zealand's second most populous city, is now home to 36% of all those who live in the South Island. But there are many more people living here than ever before, and in fact the population is about to top one million. Statistics New Zealand's senior demographer Kim Dunstan says that in itself is worth noting, but in fact the growth has been happening across the country and is mostly down to a huge surge in migration. Roughly 160,000 net migration in the 2001 to 2006 period. And that compares with about 1,000 in the preceding five-year period. By historic standards, that is a very significant net inflow for the country, and virtually every part of the country received a share of that. Now, it is important to note that that includes returning New Zealanders. Isolating the South Island's figures, the last five years has moved migration out of the red and into the black, or literally into the red and black, as more people live in Canterbury than anywhere else. The 2001 census showed that 12,000 more people moved out of the South Island than moved in. The 2006 figures show an unprecedented reversal of that and demonstrate just how significant the turnaround is. The South Island grew by about 63,000. Uh, 20,000 of that was due to births, less deaths, uh, but 33,000 was due to migration from either the North Island or from overseas. And, and of those migrants from overseas, uh, roughly one in three of those were New Zealand-born. The growth has varied from region to region. Queenstown Lakes District was a national standout. The wider Canterbury region and the West Coast also increased their populations in bigger leaps and bounds than were expected. The effects, good and bad, are different in every area. For the West Coast, the growth was small but highly significant. It is the first time in almost 20 years that the population has increased. The mini-boom is being felt from Haast in the very south all the way up to Karamea. Hokitika's tiny airport now handles five return feeder flights to Christchurch every day, which are more often than not full of briefcase-clasping, suit-wearing people heading one way or another after a day's business. New subdivisions are sprouting up along State Highway 6, hotels are expanding, unemployment is virtually non-existent. And from the top floor of the Westland District Council building, which sways and winds as a fierce southerly hits outside, Mayor Maureen Pugh has a good view of the benefits. Her council governs the region between Haast and Hokitika, one of the largest catchments in New Zealand. We've seen a lot more confidence in businesses. So we've got new business happening here on, on the coast. Uh, for instance, here in Hokitika, we've got a, an extension to a major hotel, and that's got 50 new top-quality rooms. We've approved a consent for a 110-bed hotel in the centre of the Hokitika business area. Uh, and that population growth will also mean that we now have the staff to support new businesses, and that's been a major advantage. We still have um, a shortage of skilled tradespeople um, and it's very, very difficult to get a tradesman 
over here. Um, builders are flat out, the plumbers, the electricians, which has been great for the existing businesses. Uh, so, but there's always room for more tradespeople over here, and that's simply just keeping up with the growth that's been generated by just the, you know, the the roundabout that's been happening with the money go round. But Maureen Pugh says that growth in population, and therefore property, has brought an unforeseen circumstance. Once upon a time, you could have bought a house in one of our smaller towns for less than $20,000. Nowadays, you can't get one for under $120,000. And that's just been generated by uh, you know, the pressure on, on the housing that we've got. Some of our existing ratepayers have enjoyed some very low rating values. We rate here in Westland on land value. So in some of our areas, uh, they've gone from you know a land value of about $17,000 um, to up around over $200,000 in some cases in one valuation period. So that's in one three-year period. So for them, some people, it was a huge shock to get their rates bill. To help residents cope, the Westland District Council try to make sure ratepayers are aware of and apply for the government-based rate subsidy scheme. But with their homeowners being some of the lowest income earners in New Zealand, the council has also been forced to take action of its own. We uh, looked at the government rates rebate scheme and we encourage everybody to apply for that rates rebate. But even in some cases, that didn't help some of those existing landowners. So we actually introduced a $400 cap to our, our rates, and it's uh, not means-tested. It just means that people have to come in and apply for that cap so that their rates did not increase by any more than $400 in any one year. So you know, it was just a way of kind of softening the blow for some of those people. Of course, everybody liked to know that their asset was worth a lot more money, but with that came the increase in, in rates, and unfortunately that did hurt some people because even though their asset that they'd owned for most of their life uh, hadn't, you know, there was no need for them to sell it or, or realise its value, so they've enjoyed this lovely beachside property most of their lives. Suddenly they're sitting on some of the most valuable real estate in the district, and uh, that has hurt some people. In other cases, of course, it has generated a huge amount of investment, and that investment has come from outside of the district. And we're starting to see the spin-off of some of that new valuation and that people are starting to take a lot more pride in some of their properties. And so we're seeing people um, do the renovations and the landscaping is being enhanced. And, of course, that generates more investment and, and that sends the money go round, around again. Maureen Pugh accepts there are some people restricted by the new boom, but she believes progress will always have some casualties. Further south in the village of Harihari, the residents are cautiously optimistic that an upturn in the population will mean fewer casualties, literally health casualties, with the region attracting more doctors. This is one of the health system's problem areas, where some people must travel 300 kilometres for a doctor's appointment. It's the kind of place where the local cafe is also the post office and the general store and the information centre and the place for everyone to meet for a good old natter. For resident Mary Malloy, the distance from health services is the key frustration of living in Westland. Almost up as far as Waitaha he covers, almost, um, down to Harst. And um, we're fortunate at the north end we get one day a week of doctor's time. 
and that's usually from about nine till three. But it's difficult at times to fit appointments in, and if you're not well and the nurse can't cope with whatever is wrong with you in between times, uh, you'll be sent to Wataraa in the hope that the doctor is there, and if he is not there, you might have to wait for another day or be asked to go up to the hospital. Certainly a serious problem would go through to the hospital. And that's a, a trip to Greymouth and that's an hour and a half? It's an hour and a half from Harry Harry. Um, past. Just add on another three hours. The population is not exactly exploding in Harihari, but there are now many more residents than the couple of hundred registered in the 2001 census. Mary Malloy and her husband have recently employed a family to work on their dairy farm, a move that has provided new students to the local school. It's quite a growing trend. Most of the, the farmers that were here or started out here 30 years ago have either sold to younger people or they're putting share milkers on or managers or extra staff. There are new houses being built. Um, there is a subdivision, a lifestyle subdivision further down towards the beach. There are sections being sold in the village. People have plans to build but there's not a lot started yet. Some of the empty, ha empty houses have been rented out, things like that, so we're getting more people. She says that small growth is prompting further growth and that's exciting for the community. All it wants now are the health services to match. On the other side of the South Island in Ashburton, a booming population is also causing some havoc in health. This small town has grown in population by several thousand and, as with the west coast, the increase is spurring on even more growth. But that is spelling trouble for the new residents who are looking for a GP. Dr Penny Holdaway has over 2,000 patients on her books, as do the 11 other GPs in town. Recently, she had what she called a hellish day and saw 90 patients. She says having so many patients is pushing the limits of what each doctor can handle. We are getting people ringing every day wanting a GP. And as I said, until recently we were saying, well, you know, we don't know, we can take more on. Now we're saying we're going to have to. But our big problem is servicing them. You know, it's all very well to enrol them. It's to my advantage to enrol them. But I've also have the responsibility to provide them with services. You know, I am one person. I can't work 24-7. And it's just becoming a huge issue. To cope, the town's doctors have introduced zoning, based loosely on the model used by the education system. Well, we're doing that at the moment as a stopgap measure. Um, and it was a practical way of trying to divide the extra patients between us because otherwise what was happening was when the patient rang up they had sort of one practice saying no we're full, next practice no we're full, next practice no we're full and it's all true we are full but um, it was a way that we could share the load of extra patients fairly. A population explosion has also led to the introduction of zoning at Arrowtown's primary school in the Queenstown Lakes District. And while zoning is nothing new to education, for this tiny rural school it was a wake-up call that the community was growing fast. Hi Ryan, hello. I know your real name. Oh do you mate? It's John Mr. Lightfoot. It was my birthday yesterday. Is that right?
The principal of Arrowtown Primary School, John Lightfoot, is part of the statistics. He's one of the 33,000 people who moved to the South Island in the last census period. And, living in the district with the biggest overall growth the country has seen in that time, he sees more and more people arriving every term. This area was the holiday home place for Invercargill and you know, Southland. Um, so we had 80% um, holiday homes and 20% um, permanent residential homes. Well, now it's the other way around. So that's an indicator of just what the change has been. We continue to you know, keep our, our rural population and our immediate town people, but a lot of people have moved into the area, say from Auckland, who can do their business via computer or you know, by travelling up to Auckland because of the air services these days. And, and the fact that people are coming back, you know, expats coming back where a pound is worth $3, and they lift the prices of the properties here, and that's going to continue to happen. You've only got to look... I think between now and the beginning of next term, we have it for six, six from Britain, and they'd be the same from Australia, children's saving, you know, just between now and the first day of next term. John Lightfoot says zoning the school was the only way to handle the rapid growth. The role at the moment is about uh, 3.75, and would be 400 by the end of the year, 410, something like that. Um, so it's a steady increase. Instead of, you know, in terms of say new entrants, instead of say 38, 40 at a new entrant level a year, we're now on 65, 70 for the next few years. Um, the school moved to the site from the old one in 1997, and every year that had building of some sort. And so the board at the time um, requested that an enrolment scheme be put in, just so that they could get a rest. <laughs> and at, at that time they looked at what was the area, the immediate area around Arrowtown and, and made sure that they included their own immediate rural area because they wanted to maintain the character of the small town plus rural that's set halfway between here and Queenstown. The massive boom in the Queenstown Lakes District, which encompasses Arrowtown, has had to be managed carefully by the District Council. With a billion dollars of construction projects underway or about to start in the region to meet the population demand for housing, shops and services, infrastructure has had to be sound. The population has grown from 18 to 24,000 and is predicted to continue growing. The District Mayor Clive Geddes says a lot has been done in a short space of time but he is confident that all the I's have been dotted and the T's crossed and the surge and water systems will cope with the increase. Each town and village in the district was asked to contribute their ideas, to give council a way to plot new development without alienating the current residents and to establish that those who develop pay. The single most important documents that are managed by council are the asset management plans for our piped infrastructure, for our roads, parks and reserves and for our buildings. And what these asset management plans do is they look out into the future and tell us, on the basis of our growth projections, what are the changes and the improvements we need to make to our infrastructure to be able to cope with that rate of growth. We're taking the experience of the last five years, we're projecting that ten years ahead, and we're putting in place the plans and the financing and the delivery mechanisms to keep expanding the infrastructure to cope with growth. 
These are really important documents, not only for the community because they allow the community to, to understand the cost of this infrastructure, but they're very important for developers who, who want to come into the district, be able to undertake development with the confidence that the water supply and the wastewater and the roading infrastructure is going to be able to cope with the growth they impose. Queenstown and Arrowtown, Ashburton and the West Coast all have a level of growth that has pushed the population upwards. But those areas did not actively seek new people like the South Island's most southern province. Driving down State Highway 1 practically at the bottom of the South Island. This is a great road, it's smooth, it's well looked after, but there's nobody using it. I've had two milk tankers pass me going the other way, heading to the Edendale Milk Factory, but that's all. No cars, nothing else. But at the end of this road, and I can see the lights ahead of me now, about 20 kilometres away, is Invercargill. Now this is a city that in the last census also experienced a lot of growth, but Invercargill really had to fight to get new citizens. They had a concerted campaign to bring more people into Southland and by the looks of the latest census figures, it's been highly successful. You may remember the campaign. Entitled We Need You, Southland's shameless self-promotion made it into every daily newspaper across the country in October 2001. The eight-page liftout listed 380 jobs and profiled the very best of the lifestyle the South has to offer in words and pictures. And on the back, a stylized map of the South, just showing uh, um, the things that, that we can do down here. It was it the brainchild of Southland Times editor Fred Tullett and came at a time when the local economy was slowly improving, but the people power needed to sustain it was sorely lacking. I went to a, um, an exporter of the year dinner, Southland exporter of the year dinner, and the table I was at, several of the guys were complaining that they just couldn't get workers. And one of them in particular was complaining that, um, that he worked for a timber company and he had drivers, of course, um, delivering logs and taking away chips, etc. They were all being poached by, um, by the dairy company, offer, offered more money because they had this big expansion coming on. So I went home and, and, and thought about this over the weekend and came up with uh, a national campaign to attract people down here. We need you. We needed to promote the South as well as advertise the jobs. And there is a feeling, or there was then a feeling around the country, that, that it was a pretty miserable place down here. Um, and it isn't. It's actually a fantastic place. But we needed to sell that. We needed to show them that we actually have a really special place down here. It was a massive undertaking, and for the local businesses who contributed to the production of the publication, there was nothing in the way of specific advertising of their businesses. And those who didn't contribute in dollars found other ways to make the campaign work. We produced 26 tonnes of newsprint. This special publication we had inserted in every daily newspaper in the North Island and in the Christchurch Press, as well as in the Southern Times. 26 tonnes. And two trucking companies took it all around New Zealand free. That was their contribution. They're Southland based. Yes, because they were desperate for truck drivers. It was a rousing success. A call centre set up at the local Polytech took 3,000 calls in six days and had to shut the lines down because they could not handle the workload. At the same time, the Polytech's own zero-fees scheme was beginning and attracting another sector of the community to Invercargill. 
the town's student population expanded dramatically, with those keen on a free tertiary education. It attracted school leavers and mature students, whose partners found work in the region and whose children boosted school roles. Richard Hay is the chief executive of the Southland Chamber of Commerce, an organisation that saw the city benefit from both the We Need You campaign and the Zero Fees scheme. He says having more people living in the city has seen a change in more than just the population statistics. Prior to the We Want You campaign or any of the other campaigns that followed after it that helped to increase our statistic population, if you like, you could go out for dinner of night, but you'd have a reasonable choice of, of, of restaurants, but not a massive wide choice of restaurants. The same with um, going to a movie. You know, you'd have a couple of choices of going to a movie. Uh, a lot of the social activity was around sporting activities and, and all the things that came off that. But with the new influx coming in, you've got a, different people with, with different backgrounds, with different needs, different wants, and now you've got a real cosmopolitan city with, with a very large range of restaurants. Indeed, we keep saying, how do they survive? But they do. You can go to any restaurant, certainly in the latter part of, of the week, and you need to book for most of them, even still. And one keeps wondering where all these people are coming from. At the peak of the We Need You frenzy, one Invercargill real estate branch was reporting people from other parts of the country buying up to 10 houses at a time as investment properties. As with the West Coast, property prices in Invercargill are still moving. Quotable value figures released earlier this month show a 34% increase over the past year alone. A recent baby boom has surprised the region and may see the schools that were shut down over the past few years due to population decline having to be reopened. Richard Hay believes the future for Invercargill and Southland is looking rosy for some time yet as opportunities for even more growth are just around the corner with the exploration drilling for oil off the Southland coast. If we do strike oil down there, Southland's going to become a little Saudi Arabia state, there's no doubt about that. It's just going to turn Southland economy on its head, it'll certainly turn the New Zealand economy on its head. But having said that, we, we can't get all that excited about it right at this time. There's $1.3 billion being spent over the next five years on the oil project in the Great South Basin, but that is for exploration. And that's going to take a while to, to, to come to a conclusion. And it might or might not be a future for Southam. Uh, we're, opti- we're, we're quietly optimistic uh, that there's going to be something that comes out of it that's going to boost Southam. So there's a, there's a lot of excitement out there about what the future's going to bring. And, and that snowballs, and maybe that's done help with the baby thing as well. People are getting uh, more convinced about the future of Southam as a good place to be able to bring families and to bring up families. Chantal O'Brien is another one of those who boosted the South Island population in the last census period. She returned home to Ashburton after travelling overseas for several years and has decided to stay put. The 25-year-old is not alone. There's lots more opportunities. A girlfriend of mine who came overseas as well has recently come back to Ashburton and started her own business, um, which is going fantastic and she wouldn't have that kind of opportunity in a big city or anything like that but in Ashburnan she has you know that opportunity so she's making the most of it. With the growth and stuff there's more um, even with places like um, you know like the meatworks and stuff there's there's jobs everywhere a lot of people 
older siblings and stuff of friends who have been with companies um, and been in big cities and stuff. Now the companies are growing within the South Island, then they have the opportunity to come back, stay in the same jobs, but move closer to home. Chantelle O'Brien has not only contributed to the South Island population milestone by returning from overseas to live here, she and her partner just had their first child last week. Bella Verona Robertson may well be the South Island's millionth resident, and if she stays until adulthood, she will have many more choices in industry and lifestyle than her mother did a generation earlier. But the boom in the South Island population is not going to continue, as net migration, which was the key component in the growth, has already slowed. Regardless of that, Statistics New Zealand's Kim Dunstan says the spike in numbers being seen now is a major change in statistical terms. It will affect an entire generation in the way services and facilities are planned and developed. The most important thing that we're seeing in these population trends are, are changes in age composition. So we are seeing growth in the older working ages and the oldest ages, but in contrast we are seeing some contraction in numbers among the younger working ages and children. Now that has some very significant implications for future population growth. That's one of the purposes of deriving population projections is to help local authorities and local communities plan for their future and think about how their population might change, not just in terms of total numbers but in terms of the, the age composition, the ethnic composition and the increasing numbers of people at older ages um, has implications. And he says the latest statistics will give local and central governments plenty of food for thought. I think it presents issues as well as opportunities. Uh, one of the implications is reconsidering a, a reallocation of resources. Instead of more maternity hospitals, maybe we need more uh, aged care facilities. The next batch of population statistics featuring that milestone one million figure will be released this week.